Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Wonder Woman, directed by Patty Jenkins and released in 2017. The plot of the movie goes something like this. After a plane crashes on Themyscira and brings war to the peaceful island of the Amazons, the Princess Diana leaves to enter the human world and help end the war to end all wars. <laughs> okay, so we're going to sound a spoiler warning for this one. It's currently out at the movies and it's a very big release, so you definitely should go see it before you listen to this podcast. Yes. Okay. Having said that, now we can talk about it. Oh, my God. Yeah, thank God this was good. And also, this was actually quite good. And I have notes, but, like, they're not major. Okay. I had a feeling coming into this that you would like it more than me. Um, I think before we even saw the movie, I thought you would like this right. more than and me. And definitely after the movie when I was in, like, my sort of slightly emotional state and you were trying to talk snark to me, <laughs> I was definitely realized that I would like this more than you. It's not that I, I – and I do really like the movie and I don't want this to come across as one of those things like Get Out where I end up saying more negative things than positive things about a movie that I liked. I did like Wonder Woman and I enjoyed watching it. I think it was a really solid movie. I think it was well put together and I think it does everything that you that we need Wonder Woman to do. It's well directed. It's well acted. There's no real like major issues with it. So like as the first kind of like this is a big tentpole female superhero movie, you know, this is the one that we're all resting our, lo- our hopes on. Mm. Um, and so on that front, it did everything it sets out to do. Yeah. And so like it's everything it needs to be. And that's great. But to my mind, this is a good movie, but not a great one. Yeah. Okay. So obviously I liked it more than you. I also think it's a a good, not a great. What it reminds me of is the Marvel movies, the Marvel superhero movies. Well, what it it's, reminds me of is Captain America because the back half of that movie is Captain America. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I would throw a bit of Thor in there as well, but yeah. No, yeah, but that ending, like <laughs> right. the ending where the blonde, blue-eyed, handsome Steve sacrifices himself so that his uh, girlfriend can go on and kick ass and save the world reminded me a lot yeah, of yeah. Captain America. So in that sense, yes. But the, you've also got in the, a in a war against the Germans. Yeah, you've, and, but you've also got the Thor thing of like a non-human coming to Earth and being surprised at all their customs. Yes, and that's and then the being saved, also out. being they, having his like big love turnaround. Uh, yeah. What's the word when you have a big realization? Now that's going to bug, bug me for I, ages. I don't like like an epiphany. epiphany. <laughs> you got there too. I did. Um, so, yeah, but I did think it felt like a Marvel movie and that is probably like that's what I'm telling people, people who ask me who are a bit sort of on the fence about whether they should see it. I say it actually feels like a Marvel movie. It's funny. It's well told. It's well put together. It's a good adventure. You kind of sit down and you strap yourself in and you don't get bored and you root for the characters. There's great team stuff in yeah. there. And I'm obviously I'm a Wonder Woman fan. I'm sitting here in my Wonder Woman T-shirt one of my Wonder Woman t-shirts, and I've been reading the comics for a few years. I've always kind of been into it um, for, like, really stupid reasons, but mostly that I can cosplay her, <laughs> and I have. Um, but, I like, I've liked her for a while, and I – That's not a stupid reason. That's a great reason. I know. I know. I liked her for a while, and I thought the movie did a really good job of understanding her spirit in a way that when she appeared in Batman vs Superman, I can remember that we talked about – some of the issues I had with them and the character of Diana. But I thought in this one they did a much better job of like Diana the peacemaker and Diana the diplomat. And, you know, she only she only fights when she ha- she knows how to fight and she wants to fight well, but she it's not her first option kind of thing. 
and I liked that about this movie. Well, the thing I liked about this movie, um, and actually this is something I thought about while I was watching it, is um, it's the opposite of the Moana effect, which in, the Mo- in Moana, one of my major problems with the movie was that she has no arc and she has nowhere to go. She's too good at everything. She has no vulnerability. So they gave Diana really good vulnerabilities. She's really naive about the world. She's really kind of headstrong and she's – but like they all – all these things kind of flow in neatly into one complete character that you definitely connect with and understand and she has these traits that are very clear and she's, mm. you know, compelling and vulnerable and interesting. So she has a journey to go on in this movie and I think it's really interesting – I've had this kind of back and forth conversation recently about whether or not you could just set this movie in Nazi oh. Germany in World War II, yep. right? Because this is a big thing as well in the Captain America comparison. And I think for the most part, you could completely lift this movie and just stick it in World War II. Mm. And there's a couple of reasons for this. One of them is that I don't feel like the aesthetic is unified enough, by which I mean Diana sticks out like a sore thumb in everything, but not just because she's got the costume that you would never see anybody wearing in that time period, but also because, like, the whole thing. She looks like Gal Gadot, too. Like, she's hard yes. to miss. But it's not it's not gritty enough. It's not dirty enough. It Like, it just doesn't feel like it's the 1910s in this movie to me. Mm, see, I don't have a problem with it being in World War One. In fact, I like that it's World War One because there's a lot of World War Two movies we get it all the time. And I think particularly Americans don't really know a lot about World War I. Um, yeah. So I, I, I don't like have a problem with it. It's not that I have a problem with it. These are the reasons why I felt like it could almost have just right. been lifted and into. And to, to be fair, the comic was set. There were, this is based on a comic written by the screenwriter, which was set in World War II. Yeah, that explains a lot <laughs> because literally those two villains you could just lift out and stick right in World War II. You could, like, yeah. The, um, Danny Houston and <laughs> Dr. Maru, who, whose name is pronounced by Chris Pine four different ways in this movie that <laughs> was so confusing. Um, mm. But um, Dr. Poison and Danny Houston, you could just – Yeah, you could. But I actually also like the World War I stuff because, for firstly, General Ludendorff is a real person. That Danny Houston's character. So that's interesting. But also not having the baggage of people being Nazis means that at the end when Diana realises that it's not the Germans who have created this war, that this is a war that people are fighting and both sides are to blame, that's a lot easier to do with the Germans of World War I than it is with the Nazis. Right. So that was the other side of what I was going to say. So that right. works out Sorry. well. <laughs> no, that's fine. Like it's it's this back and forth of whether or not you could just move it. I think one of the things that they really should have done is have one of um, Steve's buddies be German. Okay, yeah. That would have – because we needed a, a sympathetic German soldier, yeah. not just like people in the village who's, who don't get any lines, who run away, and not just cuddling soldiers at the end, right? Like you actually need – some like a German who defected would be quite good, yeah. Right, or not just a German who defected, but because this war was like – it was so murky and the sides were mm. so unclear, it would be good if we had a sympathetic German in the movie, and they don't have that. That's a, that's a problem, I think, in a movie with this message. Yeah. Um, just a minor of, storytelling well, kind of glitch. Yeah, because I was going to talk about the um, – I'm sad that um, Etta got left behind. I know Etta gets left behind in every comic, but I, I kind of was sad that once she headed off on the big adventure, it was Wonder Woman and, like, four boys. Yeah, and, again, that's a 1910s thing, I think, partly. Yeah. Um, Etta was so great. Also, I've seen so many pictures of Lucy Davis out of character and – 
every time I'm like, there's no way that's out of candy. Yeah, that she's woman from the, does not look the she same. She doesn't look like her at all. It's crazy. She's um on The Office, uh, the British office. I, I didn't really – I've seen like, yeah, one Yeah, and she's blonde and she looks really different when she's Blonde not. and tanned. Yeah. And, like, th- she's got this whole – what's it, that show – the show with the tanned people in England. I don't oh, know. the only way is Essex. Yeah, she's got that whole kind yeah. of vibe to her. Yeah, she's yeah. just it's yeah, she totally does. different from what she can. But she's she's amazing. She's terrific. I, um, I'm not. I mean, I I was a little sad that she was left behind because I really liked her. But at the same time, there's no way, there's no way that she could come with. Them it does. In she this wouldn't story. fit in with that group. But it also it, it did kind of bug me that they didn't like it was all dudes. I didn't really like the companions the way that I feel like I was supposed to. The only one that I found interesting and compelling was Ewan Bremner's character. Yeah. The Pepe Le Pew, Saeed Tamui character drove me up the wall. There was one moment when I liked him and that was when he was talking about how he was the wrong colour to be an actor, mm. which was a very on-the-nose message. But I did like him in that moment, whereas the rest of the time I was like, you're just kind of gross, cut it out. Yeah. Um. See, I actually thought that those kind of messages actually had a relatively light touch because we that we was not s- a light. Touch. He says that once. I know, but there's that's also not a, a light. Round, that's, that's literally telling us. There's also a bit round the campfire where the Native American character talks about how you know how Chris Trevor's people, Chris Trevor, <laughs> Steve Trevor, <laughs> too many Chris's. Steve Evans, Chris Trevor, what's going on? <laughs> um, Steve's and Chris's. Steve Trevor, uh, that Steve Trevor's people dispossessed him. Like I've, I've found those things quite a light touch. And a I lot- liked that. I mean, I didn't mind them. I, but I don't think they were light. They were pretty much just telling us what the I, message see, is. I think they were light for the type of movie this is and the type of audience this has. It has to include those messages, but it also like it has to kind of walk a line when it does so. And mm. I think it kind of did a good job of that. Same as when they're in London and Diana just wanders into the parliamentary chamber and it mean, and, and like it's all perfectly fine because she's just been wandering around with senators yeah. on her island and so why wouldn't she be in there? And everyone just goes quiet. And it's not like, I don't know, it, it, I thought that was relatively well done without being too intense. Yeah, well, that takes me back to the Captain America comparisons because Diana and Peggy have so much in common. Mm. Uh, I don't think Peggy was ever that naive even when she was a child. But no, but, but no. But, She's not meant to be. Peggy's no. a human. Uh, yes, but um, there were a lot of compa- I, comparisons to be made between the Steve and Peggy and Steve and Diana relationships. Mm, yeah. And I you mean, know how much I love Peggy Carter and Agent yeah. Carter and stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, but like Peggy's a Slytherin and Diana's a classic Gryffindor. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it was just interesting and fun to to watch. And, and I liked her a lot more than I was expecting to, although she doesn't – she's not a character that like – I particularly connect with, which is fine. I don't mm. have to connect with every character. I connected with her emotional journey in this movie the way I was supposed to. But she's not somebody that means a lot to me personally. Yeah, yeah. I know. I get that. She's kind of different to what you're used to seeing in terms of characters on screen in comics or whatever. She is kind of different and out there and she doesn't think like a human and she's mm. not meant to. Um, so, yeah, I kind of like that. It's one of the things I like about her actually There's that she kind of stands apart. Yeah. And she's um, – there's also been interesting conversations that I've been having with people where it's like, is she um, – does she have enough agency in this movie? Is she driving the movie enough or is Steve driving the movie and is he the one who has the agency? And you can kind of see that in the finale, the Captain America finale, right, where, like, Steve goes and does the heroic thing and sacrifices himself. Yeah, okay. um, But at the same time, I think she's – like the one who's making her own decisions. She chooses to leave Themyscira. She wants to fight. She And she is proven right quite often, as the often way, as she's proven right. I, I just think that 
the No Man's Land sequence. Yes, that's the one I that I bring up as well. I found myself crying in that sequence and for reasons I can't fully explain, I got tears in my eyes just watching her leap over the f- leap over into No Man's Land and stride out across that battlefield and take all those that hail of bullets so mm. that other people could get across. It that whole sequence like if you could ever think that that's not her having showing agency and then that sequence ends um with battle in the village mm. which ends with steve using a trick that he learned from the amazons yeah for her to finish the battle for yeah them. and i thought that was terrific that's that sequence and the themiscira stuff mm. was easily my favorite stuff in this movie yeah i liked the themiscira stuff but i had problems with the visuals it looked too CG, and I know that it's like the house style of Zack Snyder to be too CG, but the, especially obvious on Themyscira, the CG was like too heavy-handed for my liking. And so while I liked sequences and I liked seeing um, – I think it was just too colour-corrected, like uh, really, yeah. really bright blues and really, looked, really bright greens. It just greens didn't look and, right. Yeah. Uh, and while I really enjoyed watching um, Connie Nielsen and Robin Wright and all those people – Robin Wright in this movie was my favourite. She was gone in like 10 minutes and I was like, no, I want her in the whole movie. I loved her. She was my favourite character in this. Yeah, okay. I thought it would be Etta Candy and it was not. It was definitely <laughs> Antiope. Yeah, right. I mm, I didn't like her that, that much, but I really liked what she stood for. And I really I liked instantly little- liked her as soon as I saw her like – I, just, I don't know. There was just something about yeah. her that little really Di- kind of – Little Diana being so brave and headstrong and so determined to do her own thing and break away. I just liked that. But here's the thing about this is uh, it frustrates me because, like, she's so indestructible. And this is a problem I have with a lot of the indestructible heroes. Yeah. That, like, when they're that indestructible, you have to find a way to take that away from them. Mm. And the finale absolutely doesn't do that. And then there's a lot of problems that I have with the finale. It, and they make her naive and stuff like that. But there's she, there's no way that she's ever going to get hurt in this. Yeah. Oh, I actually have trouble with that because the thing is she can stop bullets with her bracelets and her shield. But, like, her legs are still vulnerable and she must be getting hit in her legs at times. Never, never. And you also see her get hit in the stomach at one point. From at the back, right? But she – or like and something in, like that. It never pays off. Like, no. There is a bit on Themyscira where they show her – she got cut and she she was recovered like that night. They yeah. show the cut healing. But she gets an injury. But that doesn't pay off And either. it doesn't pay – Well, but she gets an injury later on. Like you, we see her hit in the stomach or back or wherever it was. and But then it's ne- – that there's no payoff to that yeah. time. Um, so I would have liked that a little bit more because it does seem a bit silly. Um, like even striding across no man's land, which was obviously amazing. <laughs> when she's just walking and her legs are like completely yeah, bare. Yeah, her legs are bare. She can't – there's got to be something. Like shoot her in the leg once or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I Let her have to deal that. with um, 1918 era medicine. And yeah, that's a – you know, that it's just a bit frustrating because you're watching her on this journey, but there's no, there's no um, stakes. The stakes are, again, all for other people and not for her. And that's – it's always going to be difficult with any character like Wonder Woman or Superman or anything like that. Mm. But Superman, you the, that's the reason why they overuse kryptonite so much yeah. is because you have to weaken them in some way to have stakes. Well, that, that's the reason they overuse Ares with Wonder Woman because she fights Ares all the time because um, – <laughs> yeah, I'm talking comics as well as this movie. I know. But she always fights Ares because he's got he's someone who's got equal power to her. But can we talk about Ares in this movie? Because literally the moment David Thewlis shows up and is like talking about peace in that room and everybody goes quiet so that we can hear him talk about peace. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's Ares. The moment we saw him. And then he's like, oh, I got injured. Like he was injured and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, oh, it's Ares. He's Ares. But not just that. 
he he seemed to be having a ball in this movie. And don't get me wrong, I like David Thewlis, but man, was he the wrong casting for this movie, like for this role. It was an interesting choice. Yeah. It was It was this sort of thing that smacks of like they just wanted to mislead you, so they made it this guy. Yeah. you know, I think like, that's probably what it was, actually. Because he, he turns up and it is a bit of a moment of, you are way too famous to be in this part. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> There's that and, like, yeah, you're way too famous to be in this part. You're talking about peace and you're injured in, like, the same way that, like, Ares got – yeah, it was really, really – it was the same thing as the um, the God Killer weapon as well. Mm. That was so obviously Diana. But, like – Yeah, although I did like um, – and I think also thinking about just the broad audience for this film, not everyone's going to pick that up. And yeah. especially as you, you probably – your big audience for this is like tween teen girls. Can we talk about that as well? Because man, this was movie was bloodless given how much violence was in it. Yeah. Like in this really obvious way that kind of frustrated me frequently, especially when she goes into that town that's supposed to have been hit by the gas. Yeah, yeah. And it, there, you see nothing, nothing. And I was like, come also, on. Also the gas just stopped. Like she stops her horse and <laughs> goes into the gas. The gas doesn't come near the horse or Chris who's uh, – Chris. <laughs> Steve, Steve, who's standing at the edge of the gas waiting for her. Beautiful, lovely, sweet, darling Chris Pine, who I loved so much. He this was he, this was really good deployment of Chris Pine's talents. Yeah. And it, again, like if I were Wonder Woman and I could pick a guy from like a human guy to be the my love interest, I would, would be like, yes, Chris Pine, that's the guy. Yeah, exactly. But I, it kind of suits him well. That it, In his first scene, there's the shot of him looking up through the water and it's like just this like close up on his face and his blue eyes. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then there's other things where I was like, oh, me too, Diana, me too. Yeah. And he just kind of – he uses the qualities that he uses to play Captain Kirk a lot, actually. Yeah, that kind of he does. brash cockiness. That it's, it's, he can totally buy him as a spy. But he's also got that, um, that vulnerability. The, you know, he's willing to learn from anybody and he's willing to kind of try new things and that kind of makes him a good pairing for Wonder Woman. Mm. But he I don't, but he's suits- also a good pairing for Wonder Woman because they bounce off each other so mm. much. Like they're – interplay through the whole movie is so it's actually one of the things that I liked particularly because it's unified across the movie and I Mm. feel like there were a few things that weren't but you could kind of count on them to have this conversation where you just get frustrated with them because they keep talking over each other and neither of them's listening to each other and she's just yelling things in his face and he's just trying to get her to listen and Mm. but those two though their banter is just fantastic they were really good together they were so good together and uh, look I I hadn't really seen anything from Gal Gadot to this point that sort of proved to me that she was a good actor. Yeah. And, and while she was very compelling and I think very good in this role, I think it was also really smart to pair her up with with people like Robin Wright and Chris Pine, Lucy Davis even, like to pair her up with these actors who are really experienced and have carried movies and, and like I think it, it probably helped in that sense. Well, not just that. I think people who are willing to, who have carried movies, but are also willing to, like, it, it's the same thing that The Rock does. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> where they Chris make Pine's them really generous. Yeah, exactly. He's Being not, really generous. He doesn't need to be the star of the, he's not stealing her screen at all. And, like, it would be really hard to because she's very watchable. Was it The Rock that we were, somebody who really lets their co star shine? Yeah. It wasn't it The Rock. It, it was could be else. The Rock. No, it wasn't. It was somebody else. We were talking about this in another Kevin movie. Hart? No. I don't know. I don't remember what it was or who it was now. But, yeah, people who were willing – like, Chris Pine was willing to not be the star of this movie so Mm. that she could be the star of this movie. So he's willing to, like, prop her up and help her out with scenes and and make the scenes work better and make them funnier. And also, this dialogue is not particularly good. 
No, but they sell it. Right. So, like, I think a lot of them, the credit for this movie really has to go to Patty Jenkins because she has to work in a style that is the Zack Snyder style mm. that I don't like. And she has to um, work with a script that's, it's fine, but it's not great. There's no real lines in it that are, like, hugely memorable. No, although, and the ones that are memorable are pretty on the nose as well. Yeah, but I feel like it, it seemed like genius compared to the DC movies that had come before it. And yeah. I, I hadn't heard of this guy, Alan Heisberg, I think, or Heinberg, and he's a he's a comic book writer. Well, no, he's a TV writer. He's worked on a lot of the Shonda Rhimes shows, but he also wrote an arc on Wonder Woman. He wrote an arc on Young Avengers as well. And so, to me, the script, in even in getting to the state that it was in for this film, which is workmanlike or slightly above average, to borrow a phrase from the <laughs> film. Yeah, I liked that. That was a really good scene, by the way, because Chris Pine is naked in that scene and I enjoyed it a lot. Oh, yeah. The bit- but yes, um, it is, but it is really like, it is workmanlike. I think that, you know, the lines that come up are fairly obvious ones. There's not a lot of surprises. No. Um, and the surprises are more in the delivery than in the, the yeah. writing itself. And that's, I think, my problem with the movie as a whole is it's very solid. It's very much the story that we've seen a million times, but done well. It's like, it's tropey and it's, it, I mean, it's the same problem I have with Guardians of the Galaxy and Daredevil. Mm. It's like, you've got a cool character. Let's do a cool story. But they kind of don't. It's just the same. Yeah. Um, but similar story to what we've seen On some before. level, I'm also glad that it's just like a basic good movie that's a crowd pleaser. Yes. Because I, I, like, I'm like i seeing early projections of this taking $100 million in its opening weekend and dear God, I hope that's true. But I just want as many people to watch this yeah. as can. And we couldn't afford – we can't afford a dud superhero for women. Right. We can't. We it, She had to be good. She had to not just be decent. She had to be twice as good as everybody else and she had to be good enough that people – that she'd make enough money that we would get another one. And yeah. that kind of was the overriding thing. So they they – Worked harder on making it not bad than yeah. they did on making it great. They I'm weren't going to take really, risks. I'm really proud of like Gal Gadot and Patty, Patty Jenkins for stepping up to the plate on that and delivering exactly the movie that, we, that they needed for that. But at the same time, I have to judge this movie. I can't judge this movie based on the other crap that the DCEU no, has no, no. put out. And, and, and I compared can't judge- to what the, but compared to what the rest of the DCEU has done, oh, this, this is, is a freaking genius. <laughs> compared to Suicide Squad, this is the Mona Lisa. Like, right. You know, or it's Batman versus Superman. I know. God. Or Man of Steel. God. Yeah. Like, seriously, compared to the other ones, this is amazing. And, like, to be fair to those films, like, Superman and Batman have already had defining movies on screen. Wonder Woman hasn't. Mm. And so this movie had to define her. I also kind of feel like, and this is not going to affect my judgment of the score for the movie or anything like this, but I also kind of feel like this isn't the best message to have right now with Donald Trump in the White House and with the stuff that's going on in the world, I think the particular message of this movie, which suited World War One really well, is not exactly the message that we need at the moment. Yeah, Nazis would have been better for that. That's true. Um and it's not that's not the movie's fault. And then, No, and there's been they were they shot this like almost two years ago now. Yeah, exactly. There's no there's no it's not anything to do with the movie itself. It's just a thought that I just had that yeah. this is maybe not like the the idea of like you know love over everything and and all that sort of stuff is maybe not the message we want right True, now. But the <laughs> message of training yourself to be ready for the fight if it comes to you and standing up for what you believe in, standing up for what's right in the face of that not being what is popular. I feel like those are important messages. Yeah. 
it's just that kind of the you know the everybody hugging each other thing at the end where right. you're like that's not where we are right now that's not where we are that's not in the world it's that's not the fight that's going on right now no but that's not any again mm. that's not really to do with this movie yeah and it won't affect my score <laughs> but. it's kind of interesting that sort of the kind of movies that come out in different eras yeah. and the movies that have been like and because the lead times on movies are so long you know we're still getting movies from the obama era while we're also getting movies from the trump era kind of thing it's one of the things that makes tv work really well too at the moment mm. is that kind of the way it can respond quicker and and adjust quicker but yes yeah it just kind of like uh, and i feel like we should talk about the ending because i brought it up a couple of times yeah right Especially compared to the opening, which I felt like was so strong. And we have to kind of put the visuals aside a little because it is. Yeah. I you have but, to by work the time with I got to the Snyder's end, paint box. I was not bothered with the visuals, especially because, I mean, the I last, was more at the end. See, than yeah, the I was bothered more at the beginning with the color and stuff. But the ending. And the lasso looks it, so fake. Well, it looks so bright against everything else. Yeah. Oh, actually, there's the lasso. Um, Steve responding to the lasso was fantastic. And that was so Kirk, though, that, that well, scene especially. Well, actually, what it reminded me of is Nathan Fillion in the 2007 animated Wonder Woman. That's almost exactly how his Steve Trevor responds <laughs> to the um, – like, I could see – That is – yeah, I can see I that as see being Chris a Nathan Pine, Fillion. I could, see Chris, I could see Nathan Fillion in Chris Pine doing – like, doing that that's interesting because I, I just realized that nathan fillion and chris pine are actually fairly similar in a lot of ways yeah they've definitely ta- borrowed from a lot of the same people to create their personas mm, yeah yeah and they've also been selected for this sim- similar kind of roles yeah for, for similar kind of reasons well what's really funny is at first i thought i just thought you said nathan lane no nathan lane <laughs> never played like, steve trevor because well, then you said the animated and i was like wait like lion king <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, it's, it's like you can get it on Netflix, I think. It's got Kerry Russell as Diana. and um, Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. God, I love her. It w- it's actually a really good one. It's based, not written by, but based on Kerry the, Russell and Nathan Fillion? Yeah. was based on the Gail Simone comics, which, as you know, are my favourites. And so, therefore, not this has got the New 52 origin story. Obviously, because opposed, that's what the DCEU does. Yeah, as opposed to the, the origin story of that lot of comics, which was is called The Circle. I have it in my rumour. I can link to it on the show notes. It's in one of Gail Simone's arcs, and obviously Gail Simone is probably one of the best writers that Wonder Woman's ever had. Mm. Um, and so it, it is actually really good, the animated movie, and it's definitely worth checking out. But like, not to take anything away from this one because this one's also really good too. Yeah, so they were actually a really good pairing for Wonder Woman. Like, It's kind of sad that they, yeah, they couldn't do it for the real thing. Um, but yeah, the real thing, the real thing, the live action. Sorry, that's so mean. I know, <laughs> but it's kind of true that the like the live action ones that get the cinematic release are the important yeah. ones. And and you do like this movie is going to guarantee more Wonder Woman movies, and it's yeah. that's great. And a lot of you know young girls are going to see this, and they get to see you know Diana be tough and compassionate, Not and all the other young stuff. girls though boys and families are going. But no, I mean that because in our screening, like there were people taking their sons as well as their daughters. And that, to me, is, like, important. I And I heard from colleagues at work that their teenage boys are going to see it of their yeah. own volition. That I made me, that face because I was going to say that. Yeah, so that um, is – I, yeah. I, know, I know that sounds like, but what about the boys? But it is actually, 
Like boys going to see a movie aimed at girls is very important. Well, that's the same thing as one of the things I said about Hunger Games, mm. which I also thought of a few times while I was watching this, is that it's so important that it has that crossover appeal. Mm. Hunger Games had so many teenage boys going to see it. Yeah. Um, and that's really, really awesome to see to have teenage boys go and see a movie with a female lead where she gets to be the hero and the guys get to be the sidekicks and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, and it's I've really enjoyed that. Like there's been lots of photos going around on Tumblr and Twitter and stuff of little girls dressed up as Wonder Woman at screenings and you're standing in front of posters and yeah. posing with Gal Gadot. And every so often you'll see a little boy doing it and I'm just like, yeah, I mean, oh, clearly I'm very teary this week because that mm. always makes me tear up as well. I'm like, oh, these are so cute. Yeah. Man, I really don't like that ending though. <laughs> And well, like, oh, I, yeah, sorry, we were talking about the end. And the third act, the, the battle against Ares is kind of boring. It's, it's not just boring. It, for one thing, it looks like all the other DCEU movies, and that's not a positive thing. Um, and the, those credits with the teal and orange everywhere, my, like literally every shot is like just teal and orange, and I was like, wow, okay. But um, the ending was so frustrating partly because, again, the casting of David Thewlis is so left field, out of left field that as soon as he puts that armor on, you're like, that's not David Thewlis. You couldn't make that more obvious that David Thewlis is no longer in this movie. Like, and that's just a big, well, like, David wrestler. Well, David Thewlis's head is still in the movie. But well, yeah, but yeah. it's all in close-ups, right? And yeah, then yeah. You've got, you, um, like, it, it's just so cheesy and And the dumb. way he looks in the armor is reminiscent of heaps of other comic book villains. Cheesy and dumb. Yeah. Um, one thing I did like, and again, this is probably more for the teen audience than the older audience, but the way they destroyed the sword that had meant she'd mm. been spent so much time and effort, you know, holding onto the sword, carrying the sword all the way through, and then the sword's just destroyed, and you know, then she has to learn that it's not the god killer she is. I like that, that. reminded me of the new Thor trailer, right? But I liked that because Wonder Woman quite deliberately doesn't have a sword as a weapon. Mm. Her weapons are the lasso of truth and occasionally a shield. And the, and the, the, the bracelets, yeah, the sh- which are basically a shield kind of thing. Well, in this one they also make shockwaves that kill people. But yeah, yeah, but she, yeah, depending on what she's doing. But yeah, they, they but give her a shield. They sometimes do that. Yeah, they give sometimes her a shield and a sword in this movie, which is not traditional Wonder Woman fighting you know, apparatus. So it, taking the sword away from her I think is an important thing because that is it, it takes her back to the essence of Wonder Woman. Right. Uh, there's a lot of things in this movie that I found frustrating because I don't know the story behind them and the movie doesn't tell us, like those bracelets. Like clearly the other Amazons don't have those because they were really yeah, surprised I, when she and used they don't them. Really, they don't really tell the, that. I think they could have done better at telling you that because I didn't quite understand what was going on because there's clearly – like obviously the bracelets stop bullets. We know that that's always been part of Wonder Woman. But these ones she also at certain times when she's particularly angry or whatever, she gets like extra – supernatural assistance to help her like well, she creates supposed the big to be like the puberty booms. type thing of x-men yeah where like she's discovering her powers along the way but the movie doesn't make that particularly right. clear and, and it's only clear in a couple of scenes like when she climbs up the tower yeah. and stuff but at certain points though those bracelets can be harnessed to give extra power yeah and, and then, then when she gets her. upset over steve dying she explodes herself out of the confines that yeah. she's been in and stuff like that sort of thing is like okay sure again another problem i had with the finale which i really don't like but um yeah, yeah. and, and it's, it is frustrating at the beginning of the movie as well the thing that frustrated me on themiscira as much as i liked it and also there's so many scenes with no men of just like women fighting and being cool and like mm. then the 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 war battle on the beach with the women versus the men that and that was so such good. a great scene mm. right like if only that had set the scene for the rest of the movie, yeah, yeah. that would be great. But um, even with all of that, 
there's a couple of times when I was like, oh, worst trope ever in this movie. There, I can't remember the other one. But one of them was the um, Themyscira Hippolyta, just Hippolyta? Hippolyta. Hippolyta, not telling Diana stuff. Oh, it's that's the uh, Dumbledore not telling Harry stuff. It, yeah. That's so tropey. So tropey and so frustrating in this because, it again, like you can do these tropes well without it being overly obvious, but this movie just doesn't really have time for that. Yeah. So it just – it's so in your face that it's like, do you think we should tell her? Nah. <laughs> like she doesn't need to know that. The, the yeah. more she knows, the faster he will find her, which she's going out to find him. That's moronic. Yeah, and also Hippolyta's the one who tells her that – and she words this very carefully, but once you leave, you may not return – Mm. Um, so, so she words that um, ambiguously enough that she can actually return at some point, I suspect. But she knows this, right? She knows that her daughter is going yeah. and that it's probably for good. Yeah. So of all the times to tell her, when you may never see her again, why wouldn't you do it then? Yeah. I also totally thought Ares was going to be her dad, not Zeus, but okay. Um, oh, no, that makes sense. Well, I, I've just – because Ares is her – fights Wonder Woman so often that I just sort of – and Zeus is her New 52 dad, so. Right. I didn't – I don't know yeah, this yeah. stuff. I just, based on what the movie was going with, I thought Ares was going to be her That dad. would have actually been quite cool, but no, no, I just figured, Especially yeah. with the um, whole, like, all-female Amazon thing, like her symbolically killing her dad. Um, yeah, yeah. And that, literally killing her dad. Would that would have been, been cool, but yeah. um, I've never seen a version that does that. There probably is somewhere a version that does yeah. it, but not but, that I'm familiar with. Yeah, Hippolyta f- just frustrated the hell out of me, which might have been one of the other but reasons Hippolyta why I like... is supposed to frustrate the hell out of you. Every version of Hippolyta I've ever seen frustrates the head. No matter who's writing it, Hippolyta is always incredibly frustrating like that. It might be one of the reasons why I liked Antiope so much. Yeah. Um, well, and that's also right. Robin Wright. And also and Robin, Robin Wright. Wright. Like, I just was watching this movie going, that's Buttercup the whole time. Because I'm like, you look at Princess Bride, which, like, she's so kind of feminine and helpless and it, it just like in my mind buttercup grew up to be antiope or like went off to themiscira and right. like toughened up and started training all of the other soldiers and became the best soldier or something right. like it just kind so, of so yeah i've been watching her as claire underwood for a while now on house okay. of cards and ha- the new house of cards came out this week so i watched a few episodes before i saw this so to me robin wright is grown up badass do not fuck with me kind of woman so i'm she, that all kind of made sense but i what i, I really like well, you also didn't watch princess bride until recently until i was so. an adult yeah and so i saw it as an adult too but not recently but i really liked how kind of butch and interesting she was yeah and all the scars and she was there was either very little makeup or no makeup like you saw all her wrinkles she looked she looked her age i know and, i loved her but she was like she, that's what she was meant to be she was playing a grizzled old warrior and she looked the part and it was I know. brilliant and this is this is a part that never goes to women never and i think that's one of the reasons like she just completely kind of like the whole time she was on screen i was just watching her it i was, thought she was she so was good. very compelling the two little girls who played diana were really good and looked so much alike oh, but yeah. nothing like gal gadot no, they are, they could have been sisters, those two. Uh, yeah, I, the first time I was like, is that just the same girl but older? Yeah. Um, <laughs> they really looked alike. But And, I, you know, I like that kind of consistency in casting. I also really liked the Amazons have a distinctive fighting style. Yeah. And the fights are shot in such a way that you can always see that style. Yeah. And you can actually see what's happening in the fights. Like they're not – you're not – dealing with shaky cam and what's going on where you can always see what's going on in a you fight. are however dealing with the like super slow-mo suddenly Pause speeds cam, up yeah. Zack snyder style filmmaking yeah, which it's like not my favorite either. well i mean it can be used to really good effect in small amounts this movie uses it too much yeah. like 300 uses it way too much but this movie still to me used it too much and like that whole section in the in the 
World War Two fighting part where like there's so much fighting and no blood. Yeah, there's so much, and and the whole point of it is that people are really horribly hurt. Like she sees all these people who are really horribly injured, but we don't see anybody get injured. And I know that's part of like the rating, and I know it's to protect kids but you're not really protecting them because they're just going to make up what it looks like in their heads anyway and it's so unreal and fake and just it yeah, distanced well, I mean, me a lot but from it also if you are going to show kids a movie that is violent you need to show them the consequences of violence yeah and like you can do that i think in a way that is honest but also you know skirts around the rating yeah i i, I just got a bit frustrated and mm. also like the villains are so so weak in this movie yeah, they, like the most interesting one was Madame Poison, who was the most underused one. Um, the, yeah. the scene with her and Chris Pine was so good that I just wanted it to keep going. Mm. And he was like really working his, you know, his magic on her. I and know. it was, it was so, so funny. And then Diana just comes in and ruins it. But it was such a good, such a good scene. And it was really, the tension was building. Mm. I loved that. And I thought she could have been really interesting. Um, and yeah. they don't use her enough to do that. There's this one scene where they kill their German superior officers. And they're so giddy. And it was the only time in the movie that I felt any interest in the characters. Like, I was like, and I, also I kind of liked them for a moment. I know you're not supposed to, but yeah. like for that moment, I was like, I wish they'd played the rest of the movie like this. Yeah. Like they just love killing people yeah. <laughs> or something, you know, like yeah. it, it, she giggles and she's like, she's loving this. Yeah. She's loving the well, destruction that she's she, causing. She doesn't get a lot of scenes to do it, but yeah, you can see like the fact that she's testing this on humans, live humans, you know, yeah. But so and, and awful, also, and like so when she she's gets, so excited about it. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you then. Sorry. Um, when she gets so mad, yeah, you know, at the beginning when, when it doesn't work. Mm. Like I wanted more of that Yeah. instead of the kind of very, very – and she had the mask so it would have been difficult. But it was such a like blank yeah. slate the rest of the time. And there, was the, there were these little moments that I was like, oh, I wish we could get more of that to make these villains feel mm. more real and to have that be more of a threat and feel – bigger yeah um i just got a bit frustrated with that yeah uh because i mean the thing is villain. it has the marvel villain problem so there you go yeah it does and it, we moved away from world war Two, but the world war one villains were not i uh, still like they do feel kind of like nazis like the whole experimenting on people and and mm. obviously the mustard gas type stuff is very specific to world war one but everybody used it not just the germans no so. and that's right and well that, i mean that's right and like i mean obviously Ludendorff, is, they've just borrowed his name, not the real character. Ludendorff, the char- the real person, was like a strict strategist and whatnot, and he was probably pretty evil in terms of some of the things that he did. But, like, she was kind of, like, interestingly evil yeah, in that way. Yeah, exactly. He was just really a foil for her, except he was in it He was in it too much. There yeah. was a moment where I almost hoped that she'd be Ares. <laughs> yeah, that would have been cool. But then when he, also when he ripped her mask off, that felt so cheap. Yep. That felt I, – I mean, I hate the whole ending, as you know. Well, yeah. Apart I, I, from the moment when Chris Pine is sacrificing himself and he has that face. And he looks and behind oh, just for a second. He's yeah. so good, man. Chris Pine he's is so, so talented. Good. But, yeah, like that that moment where he's just – he conveys all of the fear and the – but also the, like, pride and everything. Yep. And, oh, my God. Yep. And with those eyes. Chris Pine. He's so good. <laughs> Sorry. Chris Pine makes me feel emotional. Um, I've, lost, I've lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. No, I always think it's quite cheap also to, like, give your villain a facial disfigurement mm. and, the way, like, the way they just kind of rip the mask off and stuff. It's kind of – it seemed – like, I get the idea that it's because she's been experimenting a little too hard and one of her experiments backfired on her. Um, the Florence Nightingale effect. Yeah, it didn't – No, not Florence Nightingale. 
that's not right. They didn't show. Um, what's so her name? They didn't show that happening, and so they just kind of used her scars and stuff to make her more scary, and that seems a little bit cheap to me. The radiation lady. Oh, Marie Curie. Thank you. I don't know why I did that just then. I know that, but it just for some reason their name swapped in my head just then. Although I the feel Marie like Curie Flo- it's something. Also, Florence Nightingale kind of worked herself into the ground from her nursing and ended up mm. sick as well. I, yeah, but basically, yes, it's the Marie Curie effect is what it's I was what thinking, thinking of. of. Yeah, but yeah, it it is. It was so like it is really cheap, and it's really cheap to have her exposed like that at the end, and like it becomes a pity thing. Yes, almost, that's, that's that right. Woman and, and, saves her. Yeah, and that's really not what you want. No. As the message either, like it's, and you know, you have to pity people who have face, facial yes. disfigurements is really how that came across. Yep. So that bothered me. Yeah, exactly. I, d- I didn't, I just, everything to do with her storyline at the end of the movie really bothered me. And everything to do with Steve's is so much better. Like he says, oh, we can't really help with that, but we can go and do this thing and stuff like that. You yep. know, I'm, I'm not a big, you know, strong hero like her, but I can do what I can is so much sweeter and so much better. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and, and like. The fact that, like, he just gets a really great storyline. I've never seen a female character in one of these movies get a storyline that good or, like... Exactly. And... Give an actor that much scope to use their talents. And he gets... Maybe Peggy Carter, but, yeah. But she she doesn't get to win the boy at the Mm. end. And I know that, like, also Captain America doesn't, but (laughs) but she doesn't, like, win the day and win the... And get the girl. Like, he's not a prize for her at the end of the movie. Like, the girls always are in the, in the male action movies. And that was just annoying. I don't begrudge him the good storyline. And like, I'm glad that we don't have to have exactly the same tropes. But at the same time, it's frustrating because the man always gets the girl. Yeah. And it would be nice for her to have the prize. Yeah. And they do spend a night together. And there's this really good scene that, again, uses Chris Pine's talents where he kind of comes in the door and there's no words, but he just kind of uses his eyes to Mm. ask for permission to stay. Yeah. I felt like that was almost just not in the script. Yeah. yeah. And they just added it with no words in it because it wasn't written down because it just – it like the words that the script writer would have come up with wouldn't have been good enough mm. almost. Yeah, no, it was better that it didn't have any words. But, yeah, it was cute. It um, was cute, but, yeah, And they had good chemistry in that scene before it when they're dancing is cute too. Yeah. Strange but cute. What was I going to say? I don't remember. Something about Chris Pine? No. Oh, it was about the, the aesthetic again. Yeah, right. Um, when you look at Captain America, the first Avenger, the original Captain America mm. movie, it's got, like, a lot of problems, but that man, that aesthetic is so you, you you definitely feel like you're in World War Two the whole time. Yeah, the music is perfect for that movie. Like you completely believe that Chris Evans and and Haley Atwell are from the forties. Like there's no kind of pulling you out of that completely immersive world until right at the end of the movie when it yanks you out of it. Like you know the way that Steve is yanked out yeah. of it, and it's so effective. This movie—that was what I was talking about before. It doesn't do that at all for me, and part of it is the dreadful framing device oh. of like <laughs> Bruce Wayne sending her a message in a photo, yeah, which is like two minutes long. And the la- end of the movie, they go back to it for ten seconds, and you're like, "What was the point of that?" Nobody cares about That's this so bit. Stupid. Yeah. Like you could at least have her be doing something in these scenes. Yeah, what it's is she so doing short. at the Louvre? Like, what is she working on? Why is she working at the Louvre? That is interesting to me because. Like, Diana's had a bunch of jobs in the comics. Like, she's a cop or she's a FBI agent or she does a bunch of things as her, like, civilian jobs. 
I would be interested to see what civilian job she's doing. Right. Not just sitting at the Louvre looking pretty. Like, seriously, what is she doing? What is the point of that framing device? What's it there for? We don't know. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Well, I mean, the point of the framing device is to link it back to the rest of the universe. Yes, I know, but, but- it's, it's so frustrating because it's so unnecessary. Um, but yeah, that it, and and then you go back, but it just like I said, it's it's never gritty enough, it's never dirty enough, it's never it never feels like what the world would have felt like then. Yeah, and that's just there it, is. I would think one bit where Steve is putting his shirt back on and it, he's filthy. Y- yeah, but yeah, <laughs> but like it's not the the aesthetic of the movie isn't isn't. No, even the trenches are very clean. Exactly, like the trenches yeah. were. Filthy, horrible places. And the town of Veld is, like, so nice. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is so clean and easy and not at all what it was like. You know, it's just, oh, it's, it's just really frustrating to me. And, and it's, like, it pulled me out quite often. And even yeah. in, the, in the Diana coming up, like, the, the No Man's Land sequence, when she comes up in that outfit, and there's a moment where I'm like, there's no way. There's no way that this exists in the same universe as the other stuff we've just been watching. Yeah. And also, it's meant to be November in Europe. She must be freezing. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a general problem with her costume. Yeah, yeah. You know, she keeps talking about how can I fight in these outfits? And you're like, how can you fight in yours? It's a bustier and a skirt. <laughs> like, yeah. I know that your arms and legs are free, but how do your boobs not fall out of that thing? Well, no, of course, it, well, she, firstly, they've cast an actress who doesn't have boobs. So yes. Wonder Woman traditionally has boobs, and but there are plenty of Amazons that do have boobs. Yes, yeah. but she, so they like her costume actually comes up quite high on the chest as well. Like it actually, there's no actual cleavage. It's actually higher than. But is it? Would you be like so fully ha- supported? Oh, so and if it's a corset, can you breathe? Well, so I don't have a lot of experience in corsets, but my wedding dress had a corset on it, and it is one of the easiest things I've ever moved in in terms of like it just held my boobs down. And I could get on with my day and I could jump and run and it didn't matter. Okay. So, so you could breathe fine for I, fighting. It, I could breathe adequately. This is what I mean. Like, I just don't understand. Like, yeah. you know, practical practical battle gear but for yeah, women is yeah. not going to be a bustier in a little skirt. Which is why, with obviously. high heels. With high heels that heels, that outfit yeah, yeah. has. Um, which is why you got to look forward to Captain Marvel, who has actual pants or leggings and long sleeves and boots and she even has like a helmet for helping her breathe in space and yeah, you know like, like if she is bulletproof it makes a lot more sense yeah right and also like if you look at like again with steve he's basically bulletproof so like it makes sense for him to be wearing the lycra but he's completely steve covered rogers up. she means by the way rogers sorry captain america I god mean, it, this is the most easily Let, we should thing. actually put that that saturday night live sketch in the show notes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And so many of them are first names too. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah, it, it just kind of, it pulls me out way too often from this movie. Yeah. And the music does not fit this movie at it's all. It's such a weird music. Her, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that like not, hard like guitars. Yeah. I'm riff. not the biggest fan of it, I have to say. But it just doesn't fit this movie either. Like maybe yeah. it fits the modern aesthetic, but it doesn't fit this movie. Yeah, and it fit quite well when she was like a side character in dun, another. Dun, 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 dun. Like it was, it was good as a sort of a theme for introducing her in Batman vs Superman. Yeah, but not I actually here. do quite like the riff itself. It just doesn't fit this. No. And they do, in fact, use it quite sparingly in the movie because it doesn't work very well. Yes, I know, but the whole score doesn't really work that well for me. It's just not like what this movie is there's only a couple of musical moments that are and it's when you and bremner's singing basically oh god yes you he's know so great oh yeah he's so good in this by the way he showed up i was like sick boy yeah yeah he was he was really good i liked 
I mean, it, I think it was good that they had a Scott in there and they didn't give him any subtitles or anything <laughs> and you could barely understand what he was saying. I had no trouble understanding him for some reason. It was fine. Yeah, he was really quite um, – was, he was strong. But they had the, I liked that they had a Scott because that was – I don't know. It sort of suited the ragtag band of misfits and he's in his Highlanders uniform and stuff. Well, he also had, by the way, the storyline um, – he had the same storyline as um, Ethan Hawke in – Magnific- Magnificent Seven? Yes, yes. Exactly the same storyline. Yeah, like, not a new exactly, storyline. Like, no, but the PTSD guy who can't shoot. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly the same. But I liked I liked that little moment of Diana showing compassion to him and him rejecting it at the fireside and things. They, that was the He was by far the best of the sidekicks and the most interesting, yeah. like, to watch his relationship with Diana change and grow. Yeah. Because he was, like, terrible at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and that was a really good one. Whereas the like, like I said, I just don't think the Saeed Tamui character works very well. Again, all I could think of was Pepe Le Pew the whole yeah, time. Yeah, he, he was, was annoying. And the thing is, like, we've already got Steve, who's got that sort of arrogant sort of silliness about yeah, him. Yeah, but he's not icky. And no, that's right. Because and the thing is, Steve's arrogance and silliness is kind of tempered, whereas mm. his isn't. Yeah, he's he's icky. For most of the time that yeah. he's and I just and don't I, like that. I, like I imagine a person who's grown up on an entirely entire planet of women would not have as much patience for him as Diana seems to have in this movie. Right. Yeah, that too. That annoyed me. I, I was just surprised she didn't like punch him in the face at some point. Yeah. And the other the chief was just there. Yeah. Like he was I think look, he was representation. literally there to have that line where he could say his people stole my people's land. Yeah. It was that was all he was there for and that is not a good reason to cast somebody. <laughs> no. And that, yeah, he didn't really have a storyline or an, like Charlie has an arc, which is interesting. Yep. The other guys don't have an arc at all. No. It, they just, I know, I mean, they're better than the Howling Commandos. Um, yeah, well, they're much more memorable the Captain than the Howling Commandos. <laughs> yeah, they just don't like connect great. I, I really feel like they could have easily replaced somebody with a German and had a better yep. kind of message going on there. Um, you know what was great was when Peggy teamed up with the Howling Commandos on Agent Carter. That was great, actually. <laughs> that was really that great. Um, what would Steve do? He'd say, "Do as Peggy says." Yes. <laughs> well, best. that was the other thing I was thinking of when I was watching this movie was I um I know my value and nobody else's opinion matters or whatever the exact yeah the line way is. That's such is. a good line. Yeah, and nothing in this movie matches that. Mm. You know, like nothing is quite as quotable. Quotable. Yeah, exactly. And that's just TV. But that's just because Agent Carter was such a good show when it was unfairly cancelled. But do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's nothing in this movie that stands out to me as being exceptional. Yeah. We've okay. been talking about it for a really long time now. We have. Um, we have. That's all right. It's Wonder Woman. I will talk about Wonder Woman for hours, yeah. any day. I think Patty Jenkins did a great job, by the way. She really did. And I'm kind of sad that we never got to see her Thor movie. She was supposed to direct second Thor, but you know. We're getting Taika Waititi's. So. We are getting. Yeah, that's right. And I know it's more that I, I just feel like. Second thought was so bad too. She probably would have made it better. Right. And she was – she hasn't made a feature for 13 years. She made Monster mm. and then this – and it just seems so grossly unfair. It is grossly – it is – it's not just seems. It is grossly yeah. unfair. It is – and it's and not just stupid. like not just like she made a, made Monster, but she made Monster, like which won Charlize Theron an Oscar and broke her through and was a hugely well-regarded film of its time. But it, like she hasn't made a movie in 13 years you just said it was Charlie's Theron. Now all I want is an action movie with Charlie Theron in the lead, directed by Patty Jenkins now because mm. – and, you know, hopefully they'll do – give – this will 
help and it yeah. will start to – I don't think it's going to revolutionise yeah, and please, the industry in terms of female directors. No, and please don't take it off her for the sequel like they oh. did with – sorry, I know, Fifty Shades of Grey and Twilight and a lot of they those will. movies. They took the sequel off the female director who made the hundreds of millions of dollars off and then they gave the sequels to men. I so, don't think Patty Jenkins is going to direct the sequel, but I don't think it's just because of that. I think it's partly because anybody could direct Wonder Woman 2 in the sense that they just have to fit the Zack Snyder aesthetic. She hasn't created a new aesthetic for this. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I just I don't mind so long as that anybody is a woman. Yes, exactly. I really hope they give it to another woman for the second one. Yeah. But I also think that Patty Jenkins will get to do better things after this yes. and won't have to do Wonder Woman. And I too. hope I hope so. I hope she does keep working. I find it un- feel it mm. like it's unlikely that she'll direct the next one, but I hope they give it to another female up and coming director. Yes, that um, would be that would be ideal. ideal. But I have a feeling it would be somebody, I don't know, like Elizabeth Banks is the first person that comes to mind. Oh, but you know, okay. like somebody who's directed a movie before, but is even less of like a an auteur or a, yeah, like no, that's definitely possible. Or um, it could be someone who's fresh out of Sundance. You never know. But yeah, no, I I get where you're coming from. Yeah. That that's my feeling yeah. is, is what's going to happen for the next one, but you never know. Yeah, I mean, I believe both her and Gal Gadot are contracted through to the next one. Obviously, they keep Gal Gadot in place because you, know, you can't really replace a star. Yeah. But um, I believe she's contracted. Patty Jenkins is contracted for another one, but I do. Well, let's hope she does the next one yeah. so that they can have but, you some know, continuity so is Sam there. Sam Taylor Johnson. So, but at the same time, I hope she does other you know movies where she can have her own input into it. Yeah, and do her tell her own story. A little bit more. Yeah. That's also an action movie. Because hmm. I feel like, you know, you get like J.J. Abrams on Star Wars and hmm. he definitely did the J.J. Abrams thing with Star Wars. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Whereas the DCEU is like in its aesthetic, it's so unified and I hate it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why they've decided to go for this. It's everything that's wrong with the Batman movies. By the way, Wonder Woman is my favorite DC movie since Batman Returns. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Easily. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Um, it just definitely doesn't uh, do as many new things as the Dark Knight trilogy. I just didn't like those movies very much. Yeah. So for me, this is the best one since Batman Returns. Yeah. Look, I probably to me too. I mean, I kind of agree with you on the Dark Knight ones. I, they were, I can understand why they're good. I just don't love them. Yeah, exactly. They're too nihilistic and miserable for my taste. <laughs> yeah. Andrew's going to get cranky with me for saying that. Sorry, Andrew. Uh, um, who knows how much of this will actually make it in. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we have been yeah, ranting have wandered for a bit. off a bit. Do you want to give it a rating? Yes, right, four stars. I'm going to give it three and a half stars. Cool. I think that was probably pretty predictable. From yes, the way I think we were that was. About it. <laughs> Thank you. It is above average. It yes. is like yeah. like yeah, exactly. Like, like Chris, Chris Pine. Pine. <laughs> that Chris Pine quote is like the perfect quote for, I think for this movie. It is above average. Yes, it's not the average woman. Yes, <laughs> like superhero movie. It's a bit above the average. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you'd like to find the show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to find us on social media, we are facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens at screen underscore queens on Twitter and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.